Okay, guys, we're in Lesson 9 today, and remember we're talking about the basics of the Christian life. And so uh, we're going to talk about the next basic here, uh, which is giving. Now, when I say that word, that usually brings shudders of fear through people in church. Because it's like, oh no, he's going to talk about money. And we, and there's a reason why we have that reaction. We'll talk about it here in a little bit. But I'm going to be honest with you. Giving actually is a part of the Christian life. It is a component of the Christian life. It is a comp- Now, let's remind ourselves what the Christian life is. Christian life is not a set of rituals to be done in order to gain acceptance with God, but rather the Christian life is a relationship. And so part of my relationship is the whole aspect of giving. So let me just go ahead and start. Before we get right into our lesson, I'm going to give you some opening thoughts. First one is this. Speaking about giving is awkward. So when we talk about giving... That's just flat out awkward for me to get up here and talk to you about that, okay? Because there is a presumption that, and you know this from your friends, I've known this from when I first got saved, that there's this presumption among people, especially unsaved people, or most church people, is is that that's all they talk about in church. That's all they talk about in church. All they talk about is giving. Giving, 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 giving. All they want is my money. They want me to fill a seat, and they want to take my money. And so that's the presumption that most of us are operating under, and that really makes it awkward for me to teach about it. Why? Well, our track record speaks for itself. I think if you've been here in our church, and I've been here over ten and a half years now, I think if you thought back over all the messages you've heard me share or whatever, you'd probably say, George doesn't talk about giving at all. In fact, I know for a fact that in ten and a half years, I've only preached on one message on giving. And that was a series on taming the money monster, about how to handle your finances. And it was one of five messages where we talked about debt and savings, whose money is it anyhow, and things like that. So I don't talk about it very much. But we do need to talk about it. Okay, we still have a responsibility to teach about it. So I still need to teach about it when the opportunity arises, and here's an opportunity for it to arise, where we are needing to talk about the whole issue of finances. Now, why do we need to teach about it? Well, each person has developed their own ideas about giving. Whether you realize it or not, You've developed your own ideas about giving. Some of it has been because of the influence of a church you may have gone to. Some of it may have been because of the influence of a pastor, something you may have seen on TV. You may have even developed your own ideas because you were reacting to one of those things. Does everybody understand me? Because here, I'll be honest with you, let me show you my experience, okay? Uh, You know, I when I got saved at uh, 19... I went to a little bitty independent Baptist church. And giving was taught because you were told to bring the tithe to the storehouse, which is, you know, the church. And fine, it was okay then. But I went to a bigger church 
where the emphasis then was on more money, and it seemed like there was an offering all the time. There was a Sunday school offering. Then we'd have a church service. There was the normal tithes and offering of the church service. Then, of course, we had a special speaker that day, so we had to take a love offering for the special speaker. And then there is a loose plate offering on the way out the door. The trustees will be at the deacons and trustees will be at the door. The ushers will be at the door to take a loose, loose plate, whatever's in your pocket offering on your way out to help a family who's in need. How many of you know those kind of things that I'm talking about? Okay. Then I'm used to month of September is stewardship month. So every message in September, every message in September is about what, folks? Giving. So guess what you don't do in September? You don't invite your friends. Because they're already thinking anyhow about what? That that's all the church is talking about. So if you know it's stewardship month, you don't bring them that month. Now that's my experience. Some of you have had the experience where you've been in church and there's a five-minute sermonette with the offering every week about giving. How many of you have had that experience? Yes, do you see what I'm saying? So what happens is, whether you realize it or not, those experiences will help you to develop your own perception of what giving is. They'll either reinforce your perception about giving or you will react to them and develop your own thoughts about it. You understand what I'm saying? So like I remember, I mean, I wasn't making much. I was a, I mean, I was a graduate assistant working at the university there. I didn't get paid very much at all, just barely making it. I know I gave my tithe, but I ended up just leaving my wallet at home when I went to church. Why? So I could say, here's my tithe, but I don't have nothing else to give today. Did you understand what I'm saying? That, that's the kind of thing that happens. And so what happens is, is that each person develops his own ideas. And so because of that, here's what we're going to do today. We wish to present the biblical model. Every one of you here has your own ideas or own experience or whatever about giving or tithing or whatever. What we're going to do today is try to present to you the biblical model. What does the Bible say about it? You may be surprised. The Bible says an awful lot about giving. It may also surprise you that with reference to giving, there is a great divide. What do you mean by a great divide? Well, there's giving in the Old Testament, and then there's giving in the New Testament. And there's a divide between the two. Now, what happens, though, is, is that sometimes, especially when you're in a church where they talk a lot about money, they will focus on primarily a lot about what the Old Testament says about giving. So when you hear references to giving, primarily and tithing, primarily they're talking about the whole issue of the, what the Old Testament says. So here's some misconceptions about giving. Here's some mis misconceptions and thoughts about giving. So I'm going to give you some misconceptions as well as I'm going to present you with some thoughts. First of all, giving is viewed as a means to gain God acceptance. Giving is viewed as a means to gain God's acceptance. So what happens is, with this misconception, is you will have people here in church, and they operate completely on the fact that I gave, and so they'll say this in their mind, Lord, I gave today, I need you to help me with my problem. 
Lord, I gave. And so what's going on there is, is that they view that in order for God to accept them where they're at, it's hinged to how much they give in an offering plate at a church. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's hinged to how much I give at church. Let's go on now. Some give in order to manipulate God. Again, I gave, Lord. Here's my needs. I mean, I gave to you, so you need to help me out of this situation. So it's a manipulation thing. And let's be honest, some of the teaching that is out there actually encourages you to manipulate. Some of the guys on TV are encouraging you to manipulate with your giving, to manipulate God. Now, can I be honest with you? God doesn't need to be manipulated. And let's remind ourselves of something. Does God need your money? I mean, the Bible very clearly says that He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If He wants to sell a few off, I mean, first of all, He created everything. So, I mean, you, I mean, think about that. I'm going to manipulate Him with my money? Here's the other one. Giving has been presented as a law. In some churches, folks, giving is the 11th commandment. Do you know what I'm saying? Thou shalt what? Give. In fact, in some churches, if you don't give, you're looked at as being what? Less than than somebody else who does give. And so, you know, I know of a church where they don't use white envelopes like we do. They use little brown envelopes with nothing on them. And it's a church where there's a lot of people giving in the church. And I talked to a, a gentleman who's a relative of mine. He says he helps count money every once in a while. He says, no lie, every offering, there will be two or three envelopes that are just empty. Because you don't write anything on that. You just put it in. You, they, don't, they don't keep track of what you give in that church. And it's a giving church. And so there will be two or three envelopes with nothing in them. Now, can, I, can you explain to me? I thought, wow. Why then I realized why. Because when the offering plate comes by, you're putting an envelope in. Everybody else thinks you're what? Giving. You're just giving them an empty envelope. They just put it back out with a pew. You know, the reality is, is that, why are they doing that? Because to some people, it's the law. I've got to give. Okay? I've got to give. So, giving is presented as the law. Now, let me just be honest with you. It is not the 11th commandment here. Okay? But for some people, it is. Here it is. Giving has been presented as a means for a greater blessing. How many of you have heard this type of teaching? You know, if you give a seed gift, God's going to water or bless that gift, and He's going to multiply it a hundredfold. So if you give $10, God will give you a thousand. Now, let me explain something to you. Here's what I've noticed over time. The only one who benefits from that type of teaching is the guy who's teaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? The only guy who benefits from that type of teaching is the guy who's teaching. You say, how do you know that? Well, when I watch that TV show, if I happen to be somewhere and there, there he is, somebody, some of those guys with the big gold cufflings and the ladies with the high hair and everything, sitting on thrones, and they're teaching this 
doctrine, I, I find it very interesting that the ministry tries to show, they try to substantiate this doctrine by saying, well, look, so-and-so is driving around in a Rolls Royce. Or he's flying in a jet somewhere. Or look at his fifth mansion. But everybody else in the pew there, are you driving a, a Rolls Royce? Or, a, or you're flying around in a jet? Or you got a fifth mansion? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Most of the people who are giving who don't experience that. Because here's what's being, can I be honest with you? I call it the Christian lottery. That's the Christian lottery. And see, that's, that's wrong. So some people think it's a means for greater blessing. The other one is, is giving as a religious ritual. Some people view it as a religious ritual. I need to give. Here's the other one that I think is very detrimental, and I have heard pastors, good evangelical pastors use this as a means to get people to give, and I think it's so wrong. Some give out of fear that God will punish them. Look, I've heard a pastor say this. A pastor I love very dearly. He was my pastor. If you don't get it, God's going to get it anyhow. If you don't give it, God's going to get it anyhow. Because God may cause your engine to go out on the bypass in heavy traffic. He's going to get it, or four flat tires. If you don't give, God's going to give it anyhow. How many of you maybe have heard that kind of thing before? I have. That, that's so wrong. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. What that is, is your budget is crunching and you, you need more money to come in. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, that's, this is some people give out of fear. Well, if I don't give, if I don't give. And here's what happens. So the offering plate goes by, you don't put anything in it. It's manifested. Oh, God, forgive me, I didn't give anything today. I don't even have a penny. You know, so it, it's a very real thing with people. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the thoughts I have. Those are the misconceptions. Here's the thoughts. First of all, giving must be seen as a grace. Remember I told you there's a divide between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament primarily is the story of the nation Israel and the law, and they were commanded to give of their first fruits, and they were commanded to bring this to the temple and so forth. That's the Old Testament where it was a command. When you get to the New Testament, you are not going to find that there. In fact, what you're going to find is the Apostle Paul will describe it as a grace. Now you say, what, what, what does that mean? Because everybody know what grace is, right? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's unmerited favor. So grace is, in, in this sense, is an ability that's given to you by God. So God, the New Testament is conveying to you that giving is an ability that is given to you by God for who? The benefit of the church and others. That's completely different than what the, New Test the Old Testament is teaching, right? Where it's a command. In the New Testament, it's viewed as a grace. And we'll discuss that a little bit further as we get into what the Bible teaches about it. So giving must be seen as a grace. Now here's what I want you to see. Giving goes beyond the scope of the church. Oftentimes when we talk about giving, and giving in a church setting, it's almost always with reference to what you're giving to the church. I'm going to actually take the opposite approach. I told you I only preached one time on giving in the ten and a half years that I've been here. And even then when I preached on it, 
it wasn't necessarily with reference to giving to the church. I'll be honest with you. My message was with reference to you giving, period, to others around you. You give to the church, but you also need to be available to be led by the Holy Spirit then to give to others as God shows you the need. Because what happens is, is that it, it's all part of the process. If we view it as a law and if we view it as something, I've got to keep doing this in order to manipulate God, I've got to do this in order to gain a greater blessing. Once you give to the church, so oftentimes the deception that happens in our lives is that we think, well, I've already given, I've, I've fulfilled my obligation to God. Here's what I want you to write down on the side of your paper. Giving is not an obligation. Giving is not an obligation. See, the moment you f- see it as an obligation, then that's where you're going to say, well, I'm only going to give what to what I feel I'm obligated to. So then around you may be people who have a need that maybe you could meet, but in your mind, I already gave. I gave at the office. Do you know what I'm saying? I gave here. I fulfilled my obligation. Totally wrong concept if you're going to be living the Christian life. The Christian life is, is if God leads you and shows you a need that you know you can meet, you need to meet it because he's the one who's showing it to you. And he wants you to help that person or that individual or that situation. So it really goes beyond the scope of the church. All right, so let's, let's, uh, let's continue on here. Let's talk about the teaching that we see in the New Testament. We're going to be primarily focusing on two chapters, 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to talk about Paul's teaching. Let's first of all look at his example. So I want you to look with me. We're going to read this together. Moreover, brethren, we made known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial or affliction the abundance of of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were, free, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Now, here's the example. Paul's going to, first of all, in his teaching, he's going to give us an example for us to follow. And the example that he wants us to pay attention to is the Macedonian church. Let me just stop for a moment. What we're going to see here is the Macedonian church. Boy, what, what were they, a big mega church? Were they this powerful entity in Christendom at the time? Lots of money flowing? No. They were probably a very small, insignificant group of believers who dwelt in poverty. They were poor. They didn't have much. In fact, Paul's writing to the Corinthians in order to get the Corinthians to follow their example because the Corinthians had money. The Corinthians had lots of money. 
And Paul's wanting to use those who were poor to be an example to those who have money because the ones who are poor are actually giving more money than the ones who have it. In fact, let me just show you this right now. This is interesting. Statistics. You know, there are research groups that do research with reference to church issues all the time, and giving is one of the areas that they focus on. And here's what they have shown, that those who are poor actually give more than those who have it. Do you realize that? Those who are poor actually give more than those who have it. Now, this is one of the reasons why, okay, like in our church, I don't have any clue who gives anything here. We have a treasurer. She is the only one outside the people who count the money who knows what's being given each week. By who? I don't know of anything like that. There's a reason why I do that, because I don't want information to taint me. What do you mean, information to taint you? Well, if I knew that Scott here was really giving a lot of money, who would I focus on making happy here at the church? Yeah, Scott. Now, do, do I, I only make people happy who give lots of, do I say that out loud? No, but your tendency is, especially if you have a budget in the church, and you've got bills to be paid, what's the natural subtle pressure there is to make who happy? The guy who's given the bucks. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, we don't do that here at our church. So, I don't know who gives. You know, and oftentimes I'm told by the treasurer, you'd be surprised. Well, no, I won't, because it's just it out. Those who are poor oftentimes will give more money than those who don't have anything, than those who do, percentage-wise, of what they have. In fact, remember the story that Jesus gave in the Gospels of the widow? You know, everybody else was coming in and laying down their big gifts, and she comes up and she lays down two mites, and Jesus draws attention to her and says that this woman has given more than anybody else here? Why? She gave out of her sacrifice. See, a lot of folks will give out of their abundance. Do you understand what I'm saying? They'll give out of what's left over. The Scripture actually encourages us to give out of sacrifice. And that's the example that we see here with the Macedonians. So let's take a look and see what he's trying to tell us here. First of all, they gave joyfully in spite of their condition. They gave joyfully. So here's what happens, though. Remember, with a lot of times, remember I told you giving is not an obligation. But if you view it as an obligation, and if things are tough, and you've got the wrong misconception about why you're giving money, when it comes time to the offering at the church, you'll give money, but you'll give it, you know, I really could use this this week, but here it is, Lord. You need to help me out. You know, and you put it in there, and you're grumbling about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? These guys, they were joyful to be able to give, even in spite of the problems that they were going through. That's the example. So again, giving can't be seen as an obligation. It's not the 11th commandment. You may want to write that down. It's not the 11th commandment. First of all, there's only 10. So we need to quit trying to add to them, okay? It's not the 11th commandment. Here's what they do. They gave beyond their ability. They gave beyond their ability. When they gave, 
They gave to the church beyond their ability. Now, how could they do that? Well, what we see here is is they had a God-centered focus. Now, we're going to explain that. Paul's going to explain that a little bit more for us as we get down into our lesson here. Because their God-centered focus wasn't a pie in the sky, well, you know what, I hope you bless me, God. No, no, they had a, they had a truth that was centered into their mind which is what I hope to convey to you today about this whole issue of giving. Because we're talking about giving with reference to your Christian life. Because it is an important component of your Christian life. So notice the encouragement now. Let me just continue on there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 6-9. through 9. So we urge Titus that, as he had begun, that he would also complete this grace. Let me just stop. Again, it's referring to it as a grace. This grace in you as well, that as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. What's he talking about here, folks? He's talking about giving. And he talks about giving like what? Faith, speech, knowledge, diligence, even love. So he's referring to it as a grace. I speak not by commandment. So, okay. I want everybody here, underline that phrase. I speak not by commandment. All right, let's talk. Let's talk let me ask you a question. What does that mean? Somebody here explain to me. What's Paul saying here? He's talking about giving. He says it's a grace. He wants that grace to abound in your life. But the next thing that comes out of his mouth is... I am not speaking by commandment. Some of you need to mark that down, because for some of you, that's going to be like, what? That is not what I have been told all these years. What's he saying? Anybody? I speak not by commandment. Pretty straightforward. Scott? Okay, basically, you're not commanded to give. Okay. Who else? What's, I heard somebody else mumbling over it. Yeah, it's not the law. Okay, it's not a law. Now, as soon as I say that, because I've been in churches a long time now, I've pastored a long time, and I've had different times, I've had different leaders saying, Oh my goodness, there goes the budget! You just told them they don't have to give! I didn't say it. Who did? The Apostle Paul. Now, he wants them to give. Remember, he's encouraging them to give. He's giving them an example. But one thing he's wanting to do here, he's wanting to remove the mentality that most of us operate from, that it's a what? An obligation. And you know what? Here's the thing. How many of you are like this at work? I know I've been there. You know, the the workplace has its laws. Okay? The company has its laws. And you will do whatever the company says, but what's your attitude about it? Are you happy? Are you? Come on, I mean, come on, be real here, folks. No, we're not happy about it, but we know we got to because it's our obligation as an employee to do it this way, even though you know there's a better way to do it. Do you feel happy about it? No. Do you do it? Yeah, a lot of times grudgingly. Listen, we have the same attitude sometimes about the whole issue of giving in church. 
and we view God like the cosmic employer. Do you understand what I'm saying? The cosmic employer. So, what's he saying then? All right, let me go on here. But I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, that through his poverty might become rich. Okay, here's a couple things he wants us to do. Number one, he's telling us, number one, follow his example. We're to follow Paul's example. So it's not an obligation, it's a grace. Here's what else he's saying. Experience the blessing of giving. See, so many of us, we give because we view it as an obligation. We have no concept of this blessing. Now, let me just stop for a moment because you say, well, wait a minute now. Isn't that what the dude on TV is telling me? That I'll be blessed if I give? He's twisting the truth. This is the truth. You give, you'll be blessed. But I'm going to explain to you. The blessing is not necessarily monetary. And a lot of times it isn't monetary. There is a blessing. So let me explain to you what I'm talking about. Let's say you know somebody who's going through a hard time and God's Spirit moves you to help that individual through what they're going through. And so you give, maybe even sacrificially, to help that individual out. And you help them. There is a blessing that comes with that, but that's not necessarily monetary. God, in turn, blesses you, and the blessing can take many forms. Number one, feeling good that you helped somebody. Number two, even if you did it quietly, which is what I would, would assume you would do, maybe others hear about it and your reputation grows as, you know, that's a good guy. There is a blessing that comes with it. It's also a blessing of being closer in your relationship with Jesus. Because you were obedient to Him and did what He led you to do to help somebody else out. There is a blessing that comes from a closer walk with God because of it. When I just focus on how big my bank account is going to get because I gave to you, Jesus, my focus is all wrong. That's a self-centered focus, not a God-centered focus. And here, giving is a test of faith. Now, let me explain that to you. Because, again, this is another one that is twisted. Because if you listen to the TV preachers when they talk about giving, they'll say the reason why you don't have is because you don't have enough what? Faith. And if you had faith, God would bless that offering and multiply it a hundredfold. If you had faith. Now that is the TV preachers. He's twisting the truth. Let me give you what the truth is. The truth is, is that giving is a test of faith. Now what do I mean by that? Faith is not just a belief in, but a commitment to the reality of what God says he's going to do. And if God tells me to give, I'm going to give it because I believe he's going to take care of me. Because he's the one who told me to give. That's what faith is. I'll give you a story. I'm a big fan of missionary biographies. And uh, there's a story from the biography from the life of Hudson Taylor. 
Some of you maybe know who Hudson Taylor is. For those of you who don't know who Hudson Taylor is, he is a great missionary to China. He started the China Inland Mission, which is now known as Overseas Missionary Fellowship. And the story is that before Hudson Taylor went to China, he was studying in an apprenticeship to be a doctor. And he only had a certain amount of money left. And he lived very frugally, and he tried to budget himself because he was getting, preparing himself for the missionary life later on. So he had, again, his English money, he had only what he had left was a crown, one coin, an English crown. An Irishman who lived in the slums there, a Catholic Irishman, knew that Hudson Taylor was studying to be a doctor and asked this gentleman, asked Hudson Taylor to come and take care of his wife. Come and help me with my wife. My wife is sick. Now, this Irishman, just so you know, had just been given Hudson Taylor the raspberries the day before when Hudson Taylor was sharing the gospel on the street. But Hudson Taylor went, and he went into this little apartment, this shack of an apartment there in the slums of London. And there she was laying on a pallet on the floor, very sick, three kids and the dad, nothing else in the apartment. They had hardly nothing. She was dying. And the guy, Hudson Taylor, tries to administer some medicine to her, but she needs to regain her strength. She needs food. And the guy sitting there in his Irish brogue saying to Hudson Taylor, do you have anything to give us? Do you have anything to give us that we could buy some food for, for my wife and for my children? Do you have anything? And Hudson Taylor is sitting there with his hand in his pocket, and he's fingering that English crown. And at that point, he's wishing it was in smaller coins, because that's all he has left for himself. Why didn't I have give him, ask me to give me change instead of this English crown? You know, I mean, you know what goes on in your mind when those situations happen? So he finally said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And he gave the guy the crown. And he went home and he had nothing. He woke up the next morning. He knew that his rent was due. And he wondered, Lord, what did I do? You told me to do that, Lord. How am I going to make ends meet? Now, it's Sunday. And like here, they don't deliver the mail on Sunday. But as the day goes on, he gets a knock at the door. And it's the landlord. The landlady, he's renting a room from a landlady there. And she says, oh, by the way, your employer stopped by yesterday with this envelope. And he said, huh? And he opened it up, and there was money there where the employer said, oh, I forgot to give you your pay. You left. Here's, your, here's, here's the pay. And there was money there. Now, here's what Hudson Taylor said. He said, that was a test of my faith. Was I going to trust God when he told me to give? Was I going to trust him to provide my needs? See, that's what I'm talking about. It's a test of faith and trusting to provide your needs. When you give in an offering or when you give to somebody else and God is the one who's telling you to give, you're saying to him, Lord, I trust you to take care of me. What were you going to say, Scott? That's where it's real. No, no, it isn't. When you're compelled to give, that's where it's not. Okay, 
Now, <laughs> I'm going to skip over the next section. You can read it to yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. He makes some very good, important points there. But here's one of the... Here, I'll break it down into three things for you. Blessing is proportionate to giving. If you're a giving person, if you respond to the Holy Spirit in your life, as you are walking with Him, again, we're talking about the Christian life here. We're not talking about obligation. But as you respond to the Holy Spirit and He he moves you to either give at the church or give. Again, remember I told you giving goes beyond the scope of the church. But you give. God's going to bless your life proportionately to the type of person that you are. If you're a stingy person who's just kind of holding on to every little dime, you're not going to see much of God's blessing in your life. What Paul tells us in this passage is is that his blessing is proportionate in your life to the giving that you give. And again, we're not talking about just giving to the church. We're talking about giving in reference to what? What God tells you to do in the lives of people around you. Here, here's what I want you to see. God loves gifts that come from the heart. How many of you have heard this verse before? That God loves what? A cheerful giver? Listen, this is what I want you to see. God loves those who give from their heart. God is blessed by that. When you give from your heart. I, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. I got three ki- I got four kids. Three kids. Four kids. How could I forget one? I don't know which one I forgot. Okay. I got four kids. Nothing blesses me more as a dad than to see the generosity of my children in other situations. It doesn't even have to be monetary. Nothing blesses you more as a dad than to watch your children give sacrificially to help other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, do you think God's any different than that? Because we are His what? Children! And God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Now, it's not just that He loves you giving an offering with a smile on your face. Because you can have a smile on your face and be hating it on the inside. Okay? What He's saying is, He loves the person who gives cheerfully in response to Him, whether it's at the church or somewhere else. Whether it's at the church or somewhere else. So God loves to give. Now, here's what I'm saying. The final thing Paul's telling us is recognize that God provides all my needs. See, this again is the issue about faith. Who's going to take care of you? God. So you give accordingly. See, here's the thing. God is not interested in mindless giving. He's interested in you giving out of a relationship with Him. Giving is a grace in your life. It's part of your Christian life. And it's more than just here at the church. I would say it's far more than just here at the church. Because you're going to interact with people on your daily lives who have what? Needs. And the Holy Spirit is going to whisper to you, you can help them out. But, oh, you know, Lord, I can't do that. Who do you trust? I just told you to help that friend out. 
help that stranger out. See, that's what giving is. Okay? All right, let's, let's close our time in prayer and we'll get ready for the morning worship service.